Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Fearful, the podcast that takes you on a thrilling journey through the world of mysteries, paranormal phenomena, and all things terrifying. We will explore eerie tales of haunted places, unsolved crime, inexplicable events, and supernatural encounters. So embrace the fear and unravel the mysteries that lie beyond. My name is Jacko, and this is Fearful. In 1999, a murder mystery would take place. One that would test the FBI's most brilliant minds in a game of wit. This is the tale of the dead man's riddle. You see, when someone dies under suspicious circumstances, an investigation is surely to quickly follow suit. But... In certain situations, there is little to no evidence on what occurred. In this case, it is just as such, but with one intriguing twist. A single piece of evidence was found, but the mystery surrounding what happened still remained. This real-life, true-crime riddle delivers to us not only the solemn tale of a man's demise but it also gives a rare glimpse into what may be going on in someone else's mind. Or it may be just a red herring trail leading to nothing at all. The FBI is certain that the evidence is a message in the form of a code, but others question its validity. Whether or not that is true, it is up for you to decide. This is the baffling story of Ricky McCormick, the dead man's riddle. Born on June 14, 1958, Ricky McCormick seemed to struggle with mental health issues from a very young age. As a result, it is reported that during school hours he stood alone at recess without any friends to play with or standing by his side. He had always acted rather strangely. Ricky would even tell odd stories as a child and well into his adulthood. He would fabricate tales of who he was or where he came from. 
one such reported tale, for example, was he was a prince, a descendant of royalty. A story most would second-guess upon hearing him tell it. Of course, no one believed him, and they had every right not to, as Ricky was simply lying through his teeth. But to him, the stories were nothing extraordinary. To Ricky, it may or may not have been a lie, but it certainly wasn't anything people should be surprised or worry of. He was just speaking his truth. As a result of Ricky's behavior and demeanor growing up, his mother came to believe that her son was mentally ill or disabled. Though she used much more demeaning and barbaric terms to describe him, she did take her son to seek professional help when he was a young child, and a psychiatrist said this about Ricky. Ricky had a brick wall in his mind. He said Ricky refused to break that wall. He didn't like the life of living poor and had a very active imagination. This may have very well been true. You see, their living situation wasn't exactly the best, nor were they the wealthiest, and Ricky's imagination could have been a coping mechanism for providing him with a life where all the things he had dreamed of were now a reality. Things that money could buy, such as if he were, in fact, a prince. Eventually, Ricky would drop out of high school in his teenage years. He was, at the time, unfortunately illiterate. He couldn't read, nor could he write, and in any attempt he would just scribble whenever he tried. Many theorized what could have been going on with Ricky, but a popular assumption among many a potential diagnosis was he was suffering from at least schizophrenia. His situation clearly hindered Ricky's life, but it did not stop him, no. He worked a variety of small jobs to collect paychecks. Alongside his disability payments, he received for his reported chronic heart issues as well. In the year of 1992, Ricky's life turned to the unforgiving arms of the law. At 34 years of age, he faced a statutory rape charge stemming from the unsettling circumstances of fathering two children with a girl his family only knew as, quote, Pretty Baby. Shockingly, Pretty Baby was only 14 years old. Ricky was 20 years her senior. Despite his public defender's arguments that Ricky grappled with mental disease or defect, the legal system deemed him fit for trial. With a heavy heart and perhaps a sense of inevitability, Ricky McCormick entered a guilty plea, sealing his fate for the next 13 months within the formidable confines of the Farmington Correctional Center. 
However, Ricky's tribulations were far from over. His journey through the shadows was destined to take a darker and much more complex turn. Following his release from the confines of the correctional facility, Ricky sought refuge in the dimly lit work of a graveyard shift job. He worked at an Amco gas station nestled in the heart of downtown St. Louis. Little did he know that this seemingly mundane station would become the backdrop for today's grave mystery. The Amco managers were two brothers, Juma and Baha, also known as Bob, with the last name Hamdala. They both had a reputation steeped in violence, and within the confines of their employ, Ricky found himself entangled in a web of intrigue. His job activities included a series of unexplained trips to Florida, which of course raised eyebrows and questions to many. Rumors of marijuana smuggling were floating about, but nothing of concrete evidence was ever found. If it was true, it could have been that these two men were taking advantage of Ricky for their illegal and financial gain. Whatever the case, the turning point came after Ricky's final journey to Florida in mid-June of 1999. His behavior took a very sharp and bizarre turn, marked by erratic actions and a series of visits to different emergency rooms between June 22nd and June 25th. He complained of chest pains and shortness of breath, leading to one admission and one rejection. If you do consider his history of heart issues, this is not surprising. But unfortunately, Ricky would soon go missing. The last known sighting of him occurred on June 27th, 1999, at the familiar Amco gas station. And then, seemingly in a single moment, inexplicably, Ricky went missing. No alarms were raised initially and no one reported him missing. Then, the revelation of his whereabouts came only when his already decomposing body was discovered in a desolate field, only a few days later on June 30th, just 20 miles distant from his work. Despite the best efforts of a medical examiner, the case of his death remained elusive and his remains were found in a very significant state of decay, especially considering the time he had been deceased, which only added more air of mystery to the situation. In the absence of solid leads, Ricky's death seemed destined to become another enigma fading into the depths of obscurity as authorities were left at a loss on what to do next. The turning point arrived when the investigators stumbled upon something peculiar hidden in Ricky's pockets. 
When the police examined Ricky McCormick's body, they found two pages. Upon them, handwritten notes written in some form of a cryptic code. Elated with the new discovery, they hoped that this could potentially give them the lead to find some information regarding what exactly happened to Ricky, to the FBI's cryptanalysts and racketeering records unit, also known as the CRRU. A very specific and dedicated team whose entire career revolves around breaking the codes of cryptic messages and scripts. They are the best in the world at what they do, so they should be able to make quick work of these letters scribbled on the pages. Or at least, that was the hope. As it turns out, the team of elite codebreakers could not crack the cipher on the pages. In the words of CRRU's chief, Dan Olson, he said, quote, It doesn't happen often that we have an unsolved cipher of this length and significance. The characters are not random. There are many E's, for example, that could be used as a spacer. There are many characteristics that suggest it could be solved, many patterns. The problem is, we don't know why it is not solvable. You see, when cracking a code, it takes four steps to complete. Step one, determine the language in which it is written. Step two, Figuring out the system used, or the key, if you will. For example, shifting each letter to the right in the alphabet. Then step three, reconstructing said key. And step four, reconstructing the text. But with the note found in Ricky's pocket, the FBI were unable to complete all four of these steps. They were able to determine step one, but could get no further. They were stumped. It takes a lot to fool a team of professionals who are some of the best in the world at what they do. Yet, somehow, someone out there was able to do it. You see, there is a very particular and strange piece of information in this case that you may have overlooked thus far. Do you remember when I told you Ricky was illiterate? He cannot read, nor can Ricky write. The FBI has confirmed there are patterns within the cryptic cipher that suggests it is anything but random and does in fact hold a very real message. Quote, We look at a lot of things that are gibberish, arbitrary strikes on a keyboard. This is not that case. This means it is almost certain that Ricky, who is supposed to be illiterate, was not the one who wrote the message. Left without any solution to their grave puzzle, the FBI 
turned to the public help. In March of 2011, they revealed the existence of the found notes to the public and asked amateur codebreakers across the globe for aid. Tips soon flooded in, but they led authorities nowhere. However, one of Ricky's family members did make a statement that they recall Ricky had actually wrote things in code as a child. But were those just gibberish? Were those arbitrary and random? Or were they real? Perhaps Ricky did know how to write. Maybe only in his coded language that he himself created and only he himself could understand. Maybe he wasn't illiterate. Maybe he just had his own way of writing. This opens the door of the story just a bit wider. Regardless, to date, Ricky McCormick's code remains completely unsolved, both by the realm of authorities or the public. And despite investigators' best efforts, no one has since been linked to Ricky's death either. And that includes the managers at Ricky's workplace. Even though surveillance had followed them, they had tried to see if there were any patterns within their behaviors, any reason that they could be linked to what happened to Ricky. There was nothing, even in death, Ricky's story retained its enigmatic aura. The circumstances surrounding his demise continued to baffle investigators, as the secrets Ricky carried into those coded messages seemed to be buried with him, leaving both his life and death as an impenetrable puzzle. Perhaps one day the code will be broken, and we will place our eyes upon the message that Ricky carried. But until that day comes, if that day comes, we will be left with a dead man's riddle. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.